This, ladies and gentlemen, is the double-edged sword that affects the black community as a whole. Let's understand that we've only been officially American citizens for the last 57 years. We've only been citizens for 57 years. Even though we've been in this country before America was before the United States of America was even founded as a nation. But let me before we even talk about the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the significance of those two bills today, let's let me take you back to some history. Because just like the old saying goes, let's understand, the old saying is true. Those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So let me take you back, way, way back. Let's go to Brown versus Board of Education, 1954. Then we're going to go to Plessy versus Ferguson, 1896. And then we'll do Dred Scott versus Sanford, 1836. Those are all pivotal Supreme Court cases in the United States that involved African-Americans in this country. Let me start with the last one first. Dred Scott versus Sanford, 1836. Here's basically the case in a nutshell. Dred Scott was a former slave who had decided he was going to run from his master. He ran away and ran to a, to a safe place for slaves at that time and ran to a, a free state where slaves were free. His master came to go get him and bring him back to Missouri. Well, Dred Scott filed a lawsuit against that master to keep the state free. Well, of course, the state of, uh, the state of Missouri held up, stood with the slave master, and so did, so did the city. Well, they took it all the way to the Supreme Court. And this is what the Supreme Court decided. By unanimous vote, they said that slaves were not considered human beings and they weren't considered American citizens. They were property. And as property, they could buy, sell it, destroy it, or hurt it as they choose to do so without any kind of repercussions to the owner, to its owner. Okay, now, let's kick back, let's go back some more years. 63 years after that case, in fact, to, Louis, to the state of Louisiana, where we come up on Plessy versus Ferguson. Now, the reason why I bring this case up is just because just recently the relatives of John Plessy recently received a pardon from John Bell Edwards, pardoning Plessy for what I'm about to describe now. In 1896, uh, John Plessy was a black man who, I don't know what his occupation was, but he was trying to ride on a train car home. Well, unfortunately, the car that he was on was occupied mostly by whites. The white people didn't like the fact that this black man was on here sitting with them, so they tried to get rid of him. When he refused to do so, they arrested him. Well, again, he filed a suit. The city upheld the charge. The state of Louisiana upheld the charge. They took it to the Supreme Court, where by a near unanimous vote, they said, and I quote, that separate facilities for blacks and whites was perfectly constitutional in the United States as long as the said so facilities were equal to each other. Thus, the policy of Jim Crow ruled the land, which meant that blacks and whites did not intermingle at, in, in any point in life. 
They went to separate schools. They went to separate colleges. They worshiped in separate churches. They lived in separate communities. They ate at separate restaurants. They, um, if they got sick, they went to separate hospitals. And even when they died and were buried, they were put in separate cemeteries. That's what Jim Crow did. It said that the, the facilities, separation of the facilities was perfectly legal as long as the facilities were equal. But we knew that the facilities were not equal. In fact, the facilities for blacks were completely inferior to the white-owned facilities because in the majority of the cases, the white facilities were better than the black ones because the whites had money. Okay? Now, which pushes us to 1954 and a little eight-year-old little girl named Linda Brown. Linda Brown lived in Topeka, Kansas. In that time, as you know, Jim Crow ruled the land. The Brown family wanted to enroll their little girl into the elementary school across the street from their house. Only problem was the school was white and they didn't want their little girl in that, their child in that school. The, uh, the school district upheld with the school's decision. The state upheld the decision. At this time, a young African-American male by the name of Thurgood Marshall decided to press the case all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, where in a unanimous vote, they agreed that separate schools for blacks and white children was unconstitutional, thus put a null effect on Jim Crow and would begin a pattern and a horrific pattern that would see most of the Southern schools rebelling against integration. Most Southern schools, especially in the Deep South, wouldn't be fully integrated until the 90s. Which brings us to this current point right here. In 1961, John Fitzgerald Kennedy had a meeting with Martin Luther King Jr. and other black leaders at the time. And they felt like it was the best time of any time to sign a bill to because of all of the crazy stuff that took on. Of course, the Freedom Riders and all the beatings that took place in, in places like Alabama and Mississippi and Louisiana and other places. They felt that federal protections were necessary to ensure that black people had the same rights to vote as their white counterparts. Now, needless to say, many people did not like that idea. They wanted to keep it in the in Jim Crow, and especially after the loss in, in the, the Brown versus Board of Education, it was met with force, and in some cases, violent force. But needless to say, JFK decided he was going to write a bill and present it, have a bill presented to Congress. That would, uh, that would give blacks equal rights under the law as their white counterparts. Well, unfortunately, in 1963, John Fitzgerald Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, and he didn't get to accomplish what he wanted. Well, here comes Texas uh, native Lyndon Baines Johnson. He becomes president in Kennedy's place. In 64, he gets elected president. Eventually, Martin Luther King, John Lewis, and others would meet with Johnson, and the pressure was on. Well, eventually, the bill would end up going through the Congress. The bill was presented, and through a near-unanimous vote, it was passed. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965 were both passed by the House and Senate by majority votes. 
and as promised, Johnson signed those bills, and now separate but equal was all but dead under federal law. But here's the caveat to that. At around the same time those two bills were passed during Johnson's administration, Johnson created a whole nother set of programs called the Great Society. What he wanted to do was to try to even out the playing field between the rich and the poor. So he created a series of programs designed to help uh, the poor communities, in particular African-American communities. Some of the programs that were created by the Great Society included Head Start, which still continues today. Head Start is a, is a program designed to help give pre-K uh, students ready for elementary school for those challenges. Then you had a program called the uh, uh, Food Stamp uh, Distribution Association the F, the, uh, that, that became the food that started food stamps. It also eventually created the WIC program, you know, and other programs designed to help put food on the table of poor communities. And it also created the welfare system. It created the public, the, the Housing and Urban Development Association. So all these programs were created under Johnson's administration. But the, the whole plot was, there was a plot behind all that. You see, at the time, like I said, mostly Southern whites did not like the fact that this particular president was helping black people. So they did everything they could to stop these programs. And as a matter of fact, they tried everything they, they could to keep blacks down. But let's understand a few things, folks. Here's where the double-edged sword comes in. Of course, Johnson's term ended in 68, and he chose not to run for re-election. So, how many presidents came after Johnson? Okay, let's look at it. From 69 to now, we've had Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, Bush Sr., Clinton, Bush Jr., Obama, Trump, and now Biden. Ten presidents between 1969 and today. We have had a combined total. We've had, of those ten presidents, we've had six Republican presidents and ten Democratic presidents. Four Democratic presidents. We have ten total. Six Republicans, four Democrats. Any one of those presidents could have held, kept those protections under the law. And here's the crazy part about this. And this is where the double-edged sword comes in. Listen carefully. Perfect example. I'll just give you one example. I can give you hundreds of examples. Let me give you just one. Prison reform. Now, of course, during all those different presidential administrations, a lot of things happened. Co-Intel Pro, you know, they had invested, the FBI started under J. Edgar Hoover, was doing investigations on Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Huey Newton, Stokey Carmichael, uh, Asada Shakur, among many others, with an attempt. And here's the reason why. And the reason why I bring this up is because here's the thing. One thing that white supremacy hates more than anything else is unity. And black unity 
Brown unity scares white supremacy because every t if you see a black family together or a brown family together, it means less power for white people. So they try everything. Those programs that they for mentioned earlier, they use those programs to destroy the black family because they use it as a pressure point to say, hey, your husband's in jail. Your husband's on drugs. These were things that they did. These were things that were done by the federal government to try to break up the black family. So here we are. You, I got you something you need. You don't need no man. We, we got you a place to stay. Section 8. We got you food. We got you some food to eat so your kids can eat. We got that's WIC and, of course, the food stamp program. We got schooling to help your kids. We got Head Start. We got everything you need to survive. You don't have to do nothing but stay at home, make babies, and lay up all day. You don't need no job, and you don't need no man. And this is the reason why we're in the boat we're in today. But I bring all this up is because of the plans that the Republican Party has done to literally dismantle the, the black family and what the Democrats have failed to do to protect the black family. And I'm going to give you, like I said, I'm just, I could give you many examples. Here's just one, prison reform. And I'm going to give you one case study in particular, Annie Johnson, Annie Mae Johnson. Annie Mae Johnson was put in jail in the late 70s, early 80s under the Reagan administration for manufacturing, distribution, and possession of cocaine. She was given two 40-year federal sentences. Now, during that time, there were people being pardoned left and right by these presidents. There were majority of the people involved in Watergate were pardoned already. Now, here's the thing. During the time Annie Mae Johnson was in jail, there have been a total of three other Democratic presidents. Clinton, Obama, and, and Biden. Any one of those three presidents could have pardoned Johnson if they wanted to. But they didn't. Trump decided to do it. As his attempt to do prison reform, what he called prison reform. You know, releasing a few federal inmates, you know, is what he calls prison reform. And I could go on and on and on how much of a plot that is, but that's not the point. Here's what I want you guys to understand. There are, we are now in the midst of, ele of runoff elections in most local communities. This year, of course, we're going to have, uh, if not, if they haven't had it already, gubernatorial elections in many states, including my own. And it's 22, which means they're already working on 24's presidential election. There's congressional seats that are up for grabs. There's senator seats up for grabs. There's all different kinds of elector, of elector seats available. But I bring all that up for this reason. Because this is what the this is the thing that cuts the black community up big time. The problem is, we've already seen the Republican Party don't give a damn about the black community and never have gave a damn. The black the Republican Party is nothing more than the old Dixiecrat Party. Now, for those of y'all don't know what the Dixiecrats are, that was a uh, um, 
a party that was founded, of course, by Strom Thurmond and Jesse Helms. And one of its biggest proponents was Governor George Wallace of Alabama. He ran as a Dixiecrat, and he vowed segregation today, segregation tomorrow, and segregation forever. And he did everything within his power to keep blacks and whites apart. But the, the old Democrat, the old Republican, the new Republican Party is nothing more than the old Dixiecrat Party that specialized in segregation, police brutality, and other forms to keep white folks in power indefinitely. The sad part is that the, the, the new Democratic Party, which was supposed to have been what the old Republican Party was supposed to be, has been all but a farce for most, for most part. So for black folks, here's the problem. As I said, we already know that the Republicans don't care about black people. They don't care about the black vote. They don't. They, they want to ensure that blacks don't get the vote. That's why they've been coming up with all different kinds of what they call voter integrity bills, which are nothing more than voter suppression bills designed to keep blacks away from the polls. Because, of course, after Trump lost in 20. But what makes it bad for us is the fact that the Democratic Party has done nothing to help the black to help the black community, even though the majority of its voting block is black people. The majority of the Democratic voting block is black poor black people. Black people are the base of the Democratic Party. Black people are the heartbeat of the Democratic Party. Yet for all intents and purposes, what has the Democratic Party done for black people? Now, if we were really, truly honest, then we would understand that for the majority of the part, absolutely nothing. We still have the George Floyd Policing Act on the, on the floor, still being argued by Democrats and Republicans. We still have the John Lewis for the People Act. That's still being voted, trying to be voted on and being circulated around. Why is it so hard for a hundred people to make a positive choice to keep voter suppress to keep to take out voter suppression and to help make sure that everybody that can vote can have an equal footing to do so? Why is it so hard? Well, it's a pretty simple answer. It's because white folks are on their last legs. There's not that many of them left. Black people are, even despite everything that they have done to try to nullify the black community, we keep growing still in incredible numbers. Black, black families and Hispanic families, by and large, are having more children per capita than white people. We're talking about two to two and a half babies per 100,000 as opposed to about 1.6 babies in the white community. But look at what the base of the Demo of the Republican Party is. The majority of them about to meet Jesus if they haven't met him already. I don't know what Jesus they worship, but that's another issue. But the thing is, they're, about, they're on their way out. So in their last ditch effort, the Republicans are trying to do everything they can to keep their 
base afloat. They are joining. They are joining forces with Hispanics. They are joining forces with Asians to try to maintain white supremacy, and it's being and it's working to a certain extent. And here's the thing that the black people we have to understand get smart to. Because the, Demo- the Republicans already know that 99% of blacks are going to blindly vote Democrat, no matter who the Democrat is. They'd rather have an old, broke-down Repu- Democrat than a, than a racist Republican. Because they know that most Republicans are racist to their core. But the problem is most Democrats are too. They just don't, they're too much of cowards to show their racism. That's the double-edged sword that affects the black community today. And as Lyndon Baines Johnson said famously, he says, as soon as I sign this bill, niggas are going to be voting Democrat for 50 years. Well, that was, he said that 53 years ago. He said that 63 years ago. And sad to say, we've been doing it. We keep putting them in there when they have not done anything to help them. Look, let's look at this. Just look at this administration. The promises Joe Biden made. Has he really kept those promises, by and large? No. He is, I mean, if he really wanted to to pass the John Lewis for the people act, if he really wanted to pass the George Floyd Policing Act, it wouldn't be sitting up in filibuster like it's been for the last year. There's enough Democrats and Republicans that if every Republican objected and all the Democrats voted for, they could put it in there. But that's the problem. You see, what we don't seem to get is that black votes only matter when it's time for them to get in. But once they get them in, then black people don't matter. Look at what this administration has done so far. They have passed a bill to help protect Asian Americans from from racism and brutality in light of COVID-19. And it passed by 89-3 margin. That's right. It passed by a 97 to 3 margin. Let me get that vote right. 97 to 3. They had a program to, to protect the LGBTQ community. It passed with the majority. No problem. George Floyd Police Act. Oh, we got a problem with that. John Lewis for the people that we got a problem with that. Let's understand, folks, we've only been citizens for 56 years. We've not been citizens that long. But I get it. The Republican Party is desperate to keep their base alive because it's dying out day after day after day and they're pulling every tactic possible to keep it that way that's why black folks we got to be smart quit just putting these dumb old decrepit idiots in there just because they got a black face quit putting these democrats in there just because they talk the language that you hear Find out what they vote for. Find out what they stand for. Find out what they posit is. It's not that hard. You can Google it. You can check everything they've done. Just Google it. On, you can go to the government websites and find out what every one of these candidates voted for or against. And you will know. 
You know, if you if education is important, you find out how they vote on educational things. You know, we know what's important to the black community. But the point I want to make is, and I'm going to close with this, it's time that we start working together to rebuild our own community. We've been waiting on white folks. We've been waiting on governments. We've been waiting on presidents for decades to help the black community. And the truth of the matter is it doesn't matter whether it's a Democrat. It doesn't matter whether it's a Republican. It doesn't matter whether they're the Green Party, the Red Party, the Polka Dot Party. It don't matter. They only care about us when it's time for them to get back in that office. And once they get back in the office, guess who's left holding the bag? Mm-hmm. Think about it. It's time to get smart. It's time to start put, to put our agendas aside and put our differences aside and realize it's our community at stake. Because as long as we fight and bicker among themselves, they can literally wipe us off the map where we don't matter one bit. White supremacy fears unity. I'm going to say it again. White supremacy fears unity. When we choose to stand together, that puts all the parties on notice and lets them know, hey, we're not going to take it anymore. We're going to do what's right. We're going to do what's not what's popular, but what's right. But that's entirely up to us. There's local elections coming up in the next few weeks. There's gubernatorial elections in many states. Keep in mind, 24 is not only but not less than two years away. And Trump's already made it clear. He plans to run again for 24. We need to snap the sword in two, folks, because the truth of the matter is there's not a party alive that can help the black community. No one group, no one race, no one organization, no nothing. We got to stand up for ourselves and do for ourselves and work together and help ourselves become better people. It's up to us. We got to stand up and do it together. If we don't do it together, I guarantee you no outside group's going to do it. No outside group is going to do what we can do for ourselves. Unity is the first step to rebuilding our community. The first key is unity. If we can work together and help one another, we will be a better community. But again, we got to get out of the matrix. We got to get out of ourselves. We got to start looking within ourselves, helping each other, working together to build the black community. Because the truth of the matter is, if it was up to them, they would wipe us out. And nobody would care. For everything that is good and decent and godly, I beg of you, don't let them do it. Put down your agendas. Put down your, your hatreds. Put down all of that. Let's come together. Let's work together. And let's rebuild this thing. Think about it.